0: Just spend some time putting yourself in the shoes of the families that you're seeing and think if you were there, what would you want? How would you want to be treated? How would you want to be spoken to? What would you need? And I think if you start from that point, actually, you're going to get it right.
1: Hello and welcome to the third season of Conversations in Fetal Medicine, a podcast that hopes to share some of the wisdom and experience of people working in this brilliant field. My name is Jane Curry. I'm a consultant in obstetrics and fetal medicine. Think about the coffee room conversations you enjoyed with a trusted mentor. There are some great educational materials out there, but as a subspecialty trainee in foetal medicine, this was the kind of thing I really wanted to listen to for inspiration and motivation when times were more challenging. To be honest, I find it just as interesting now. As in previous seasons, we hope to speak to a range of people, some of whom you might have heard of, perhaps even your foetal medicine heroes, but also some people whose names you don't know, as it's not just about niche medical celebrity, although I do love that too. I'm delighted to be joined today by Sally Boxall, who is a specialist nurse in foetal medicine in Southampton. Hi, Sally. Hi, Jane. Nice to talk to you. Very much looking forward to this. This has been on the cards for a while, as several people have written in to suggest Sally as someone to talk to on this podcast. So, Sally, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your role in foetal medicine has been? Yeah, I will
0: do, Jane. I guess I'm a little bit unusual because I am a nurse rather than a midwife. I started my career back in, God, before you were probably born, Jane. Um, I did a degree and uh, my nursing training in Liverpool starting in 1979. I then qualified and worked as a nurse for a, a year or so and then did my midwifery training in Southampton. And when I qualified as a midwife, there were no jobs for midwives locally. And I didn't want to spend mm. half my life driving backwards and forwards. So I applied for, and much to my great surprise, got a job as a specialist nurse in genetics on the strength right. of having done a degree in life sciences. I think my uh, the guy who appointed me, who was called Nick Dennis, who was a regional consultant in fetal medicine... was was quite brave to take me on as somebody who'd never never worked as a midwife, never worked as anything in genetics. And I was the first specialist nurse in genetics for the Wessex region at the time. I did that job for 10 years, had my kids. But my main interest in genetics was always the care of women who were going through difficult times having had terminations for abnormalities or uh, babies being diagnosed during the pregnancy with with a condition. And so I worked quite closely with some of the obstetric team in Southampton offering some bereavement support, some prenatal work Mm -hmm. alongside my genetics role. It just shows how old this stuff was, is that when I was in genetics, they first started doing CVSs in Southampton. And at that time, a scientist from the genetics lab in Salisbury would come all the way to Southampton every time a CVS was done to check the sample was right. Oh my gosh. To come with her microscope in the back of her car (laughs) and check that there were enough villi in the sample. And then they realized, because I had links with the genetics lab through my work as a genetic specialist, that I uh, was asked to go and, and look down the microscope and identify the villi to save <laughs> the scientists driving <laughs> 50 miles to come and check a sample, and so I had built up my links with the obstetric team and helped with CVSs and also supporting families, yeah. and so it became a very natural progression when they were said they were setting up a fetal medicine unit in Southampton to come along and say, look, you know. I'm your woman, I'd like to do this. I can see this is my role. And David Howe took me on, again, untried, never worked in fetal (laughs) medicine, never even really seen a scan before, apart from my own two
1: kids. And that's where I got to where I am. Ah, that's amazing. So when was all that? Just to put a few sort of rough dates on it, just to get a feel for that.
0: So I qualified as a midwife back in 1985 six, nineteen eighty-six, yeah. worked as a genetic nurse from eighty-six through to ninety-six yeah. when they set up the fetal medicine unit in Southampton and I started working there. Yeah. And after about three or four years in in a specialist nursing role in fetal medicine, David Howe and a very enlightened head of midwifery thought that Southampton should have consultant nurses and midwives. And so I was applied for and offered a job as a consultant nurse in fetal medicine and and two of my midwifery colleagues were also appointed to to very very new consultant midwife roles at the same time so Southampton was quite sort of up and coming in in sort of offering consultant nurse and midwife roles
1: really interesting and what does that role involve then what what makes someone a consultant nurse or midwife in fetal medicine (laughs) Uh, I think it was more looking
0: at the wider the wider brief, really, so I think the consultant yeah. nurse role was not just to be a clinical expert but mm. also to be able to impart that knowledge so uh, quite a big educational component to be involved in research, if not necessarily leading on it, yeah. but also some sort of leadership in terms of looking at the wider region and supporting midwives and occasionally nurses um, throughout the region in developing their roles. So we've had, you know, midwives coming from other units to work alongside with us for periods of time to build up their skills and leading our local team and services as well.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And the way you say it makes it sound really obvious in the way that people should do things, but I know even from my own limited experience that it, there's very different structures in different fetal medicine units yeah. for midwives and nurses. Do you know lot other places that work with that structure or have you come across other sort of systems? No, I think, I think
0: we were fairly unique in Southampton, yeah. mostly because I don't come from that sort of same midwifery background. Yeah. So although you know, when I'm talking to women, I'll often introduce myself as a midwife because that's what women expect to see. And they won't know that the difference between a midwife and a nurse, it's the person in front of them giving them the care that's important. Yeah, It just happened to be that that's who I was and I was offered those jobs. So it's more luck and serendipity rather than (laughs) anything else.
1: And what is it that you you like about the role or like about fetal medicine?
0: Gosh, I think I really like fetal medicine because of the families that we see. Mm. You know, every family that comes in front of us is unique. They have their mm. own set of expectations, of hopes, of things that are important for them when they're making their decisions. And, and I really think that you can make such a difference to people at such a difficult time of their lives. You know, I'll often say to, to other colleagues or to students that if you get thanks from somebody because you've helped them through one of the hardest things that they'll ever have to deal with in their lives, you know that those thanks are far more profoundly meant than somebody who just says, Oh, thank you when they've had a nice, normal birth and everything's gone smoothly. You know, you've really made a difference to people's lives and i really like that even though it's really sad what we do some of the time it is it is so important and you you only get the one chance to make a difference to people's lives
1: at that point so you have to do it right perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what are the challenges for you then in fetal medicine the challenging things are because
0: you are you are dealing with with people at such a pivotal sort of time of their lives you know you have to make sure that you impart your knowledge as well as you can so that women can make choices that are right for them and you have to learn not to take it home with you because you know every day we are seeing people who are really struggling with with these terrible decisions who are having to decide whether to continue a pregnancy or not and you have to learn to do your bit and step back from it at the end of the day we didn't cause women to have those problems in their babies. Um, it's not our fault, just like it's not their fault. But y- you do your best so that they can learn to live with the decisions that they make. I mean, I think the challenges have changed over the years, as you would expect. You know, when you've mm-hmm. done a job for such a long time, the the actual clinical care and the knowledge behind it I think is is there and you know can impart that knowledge really well and explaining things to parents is is what we're used to doing. My big challenge I think is that things are moving on quite dramatically the way you know genetics, genomics, exome testing all of those things are quite challenging to explain to families and for families to understand and I'm perhaps getting a bit out of my depth with that now. Who knows? Um, it <laughs> is a huge issue. We <laughs> we use the Badger maternity system, which doesn't feel mm-hmm. very intuitive to me. Although I ask colleagues, <laughs> they ask me. We're all working with it together.
1: Yeah.
0: But things like that actually slow you down so much, even though you know clinically and from a nursing and midwife perspective, the things that you want to do and need to do and how to support families, yeah. all that is almost second nature. It's all new stuff that comes along
1: that
0: I struggle a bit more with, I guess, as, as as I get older, but also as things get more complicated.
1: I think the IT is probably universal. I don't think it really matters how old you are. Like it's, it's a big change. Yeah, I think you're right. So it was really interesting to talk to... David Howe I spoke to him a few months ago and it'd be really interesting to hear it from your side because we heard how his description of how the unit was set up and the sort of adversarial or the the challenges that they were in setting it up you must have been involved in all that too and what was that like? Yeah I was I was in a way Not surprised to to hear David talking about
0: it because, you know, I do remember some of it, but actually I think it was such a new and challenging role for Mm -hmm. me coming into fetal medicine with very little, very little knowledge that actually I think I just got my head down and wanted to learn the clinical side of it <laughs> and, you know, how as a tiny team, yeah. we could we could offer care to women around the region. That actually by the, the politics side of it, I think I managed to avoid getting too embroiled with, <laughs> which I think was good.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: You know, also because of... It sounds strange, but being a nurse in a maternity unit is, is quite unique. Mm-hmm. And so the midwifery management um, tended to leave me alone yeah. because I was not a midwife. And the nursing management didn't really know what I did because I worked in a maternity environment. So I think I was just left to to get on with it myself (laughs) and not get too bogged down in all of this stuff. You know, because I know because David's talked about the challenges he faced, but I don't recall them being quite as dreadful from my perspective. Uh I think
1: I was perhaps shielded from that (laughs) a bit. And do you still bring in nurses... Into fetal medicine as well as as midwives. No, all my colleagues are midwives,
0: and from a variety of backgrounds, which is great. So we've got currently yeah. in our team at the moment people from a screening background, people yeah. from a community midwifery background, some HGU midwives, yeah. uh, people who've been bereavement specialist midwives, and everybody brings something else to the pot. Yeah. So we're we're a very diverse bunch. Yeah. We, none of us currently sort of work as traditional midwives. We don't work on labor ward or day assessment unit or anything like that. We're all sort of totally focused on fetal medicine. Right. Which unlike some units I know where there is a crossover between day assessment and fetal medicine and, you know, often people work in both units, but not us
1: and so if you had someone coming to you saying oh this this is really interesting you know what how would you tell them to go about becoming a a fetal medicine midwife what's the what would be the pathway they could choose i think experience to start
0: with. You know, we get a lot of students or or newly qualified midwives who spend some time with us and say, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. But actually you need to come with something Uh to to bring to the party because you're dealing with women in such difficult situations that actually you need to have a lot of experience of dealing with normal stuff before you can start explaining abnormal stuff or supporting women going through such difficult times so in an ideal world you'll either have had some hdu experience or perhaps some bereavement experience or screening Mm -hmm. because then you've become used to talking to women to you know understanding their concerns and their needs yeah and able to support them in a way that that they need at that time
1: yeah, for sure. And once they then come to fetal medicine, what's the training then like? What does that look like?
0: I think the things that I have found really helpful and that have helped me in my career are having a great interest in genomics and genetics, mm-hmm. because I think that's the way that fetal medicine is going to go more and more. Yeah. So I would encourage any midwife to get more involved with that. There's a lot of sort of so word I'm looking for sort of collaborations going on at the moment. The national screening committee are wanting to encourage nurses and midwives to become much more involved in genomics. Mm-hmm. There's some really good um, websites and training opportunities. yeah and I think those are the things that actually help midwives to explain things to other other families if you understand it
1: yourself. yeah and is there anything on a national level or i don't know through the RCM like just
0: um RCM has has some forms that there, uh-huh. there's NHS England is trying to put together a or has started to put together a group of MIGS, so Midwives in Genetics and Genomics, oh, wow. which I think is is a relatively new collaboration of interested midwives trying to promote midwifery for genomics and genomics in midwifery mm. so that we can get champions, I think, champions of genomics who can work in midwifery units and share share their skills and knowledge because genomics is going to be such an important important part of healthcare in not just maternity but but all aspects as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. You
0: know, it, it affects how the drugs you take interact with your body, it affects your family histories, it affects it affects everything. So I think genomics is is the way to go if you are truly interested in in fetal medicine because i think that's what's going to happen more and more everybody's going to have a, a non-invasive test which will tell them if they've got any variations in their genes that may be important you know i think it'll happen in the next you know 20 30 years and we need to know how to deal with that information
1: could you talk a little bit about what is the role of the midwife in fetal medicine and i'll, I'll just put a little bit of context on this I've heard some examples of management saying, oh, it's really hard to recruit midwives. How about we put midwifery support workers in instead, for example? And it would just be really good to hear from you what it is that midwives do in foetal medicine that's so critical, such an important role. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting
0: because I guess I tend to know what the role of fetal medicine midwives in Southampton is mm-hmm. because that's what I've set up over the last 25 years. So yeah. we have a way of working in our unit that actually may be very different to other units. Yeah. But I think if you asked any of our medical colleagues what we do, they would say we do everything apart from making a diagnosis or Mm -hmm. doing the scanning. So in Southampton, none of us scan. We are all working alongside the doctors, supporting them through the scan, supporting the women and their families through the scan. And then importantly, interpreting results Mm -hmm. following the scan so the doctors tend to make a diagnosis we'll sit down and talk to the families and then we go in at that point reinterpret everything make sure women understand what we are saying and help them with decision-making or talking about what they need to do to make decisions. We're also there, so we are the first point of contact on the telephone. We triage all the referrals that come in and allocate appointments for them. We assist at AMNU CVS's you know, the whole range of invasive procedures and organize those, send them off to the labs, give the results when they come back, deal with the implications of those results, help parents making decisions about what to do with those results, organizing termination of pregnancy if that's what the parents want, liaising with the referring units so that women get seam-free continuous care wherever they're from, they get the same standard of care. Handling all the emails, handling all the phone calls, <laughs> and a big bit of it is making sure that everybody else knows what's going on with these women so yeah. that they have their own community. Midwife knows what's going on. Our electronic maternity system is updated with clear, clear- care plans, so that everybody knows what's going on. Increasingly, I guess we're dealing with safeguarding issues. We're dealing with communication problems. We're dealing with parents who may have a learning disability themselves, trying to help them understand the implications of what we're telling them. So I think we do most things apart from actually making the diagnosis. And even then, particularly when we've got Trainees or Mm. new situations, some of us who've been there a long time do the diagnosing as well, (laughs) and just will then say, Oh, have you maybe thought that this could be X, (laughs) Y, and Z? Yeah we're liaising with all the other specialists. So we involve, you know, we're the people who call the cardiologists, the cardiac mm-hmm. specialist nurses, the surgical yeah. specialist nurses, the cleft teams, the telepiece teams. So we make sure all that liaison goes on as well. There's so
1: much, isn't there? And yeah. I think you all make it look very effortless.
0: <laughs> I don't think you can do it as a, band three support worker we have one band three support worker in our team yeah. who helps us with some of the email traffic who does some of our bloods for us so that yeah. women don't have to go across to the phlebotomy lab who helps package up the samples to send them off to the laboratory at Birmingham yeah you know stuff like that so she helps us with that but I don't think she would feel confident or we would feel confident in saying have an in-depth detailed discussion with this distressed family about no. what they're going to do with their baby's serious cardiac abnormality. You know, no, it's it's a... too important,
1: isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's such a huge responsibility. Yeah, I think so. I, I was asking you before about training then, because you know, doctors in fetal medicine, there are clear training pathways. And we talked before about You know, the different backgrounds people might have come into it from quite varied. And have you got any other thoughts then about how you really train midwives to be able to do all that and cope with those situations?
0: I think we sort of lead by example as much yeah. as anything. So we have student midwives who spend a week with us as part of their midwifery training. We get people coming from around the region and they sit in alongside us and hear yeah. what we're saying and listen to phone calls when we're talking to families on the phone. And I think yeah. that's the only way you can do it. Yeah. But you need to come from a level of experience, which means you've already started to be able to have those sort of conversations with women yeah you know you need to be an experienced communicator from some specialism whether that's community or htu you've got to be talk- used to talking to women yeah. and understand some of the the issues that they're having to face
1: yeah and are there any other sort of things that you found helpful in in your developments i know again we talked about genomics but i think we were talking before the recording about some other things that you yeah. you think you found useful I did a course in
0: um, medical ethics and law, and I found that really interesting in just helping me think about mm -hmm. some of the things that we were doing. When you're working in a a tight bubble of clinicians, it's very easy just to go along with things and say, Mm -hmm. this is the way we do it, or yes, that's fine to do this. But sometimes I think you need to step back a little bit and say, is what we're doing right Is what we are doing in line with what's legal? We need to understand all of those issues to be able to talk to parents about both the morals and the ethics of the decisions that they're having to think about. So I found doing sort of some ethics and law really, really valuable. And also, I was part of our trust ethics committee, and that also helps you look at a wider perspective of things as well, yeah. um, particularly end of life issues and some beginning of life issues and talking to other health professionals from a whole variety of different disciplines, you know, yeah. um, elderly care, um, intensive care, things like that. They bring with them a different view on some of the stuff that we're doing. I yeah,
1: That's really important as well. I bet that really filters through the department then when you're when you're engaged in something like that.
0: Yes, I think so, because actually you come back and say, Oh well, we had a really interesting case discussion at the Ethics Committee today about yeah. somebody who was concerned about um, withdrawal of active treatment for their for their baby or their child and yeah. given that we're often beginning to have some of those discussions with families even before their baby's born actually seeing how things progress and, and the dilemmas that parents and other health professionals are facing I think also clarifies some of your thoughts as well a little bit as as a health mm-hmm. professional giving that initial advice.
1: Yeah absolutely absolutely you mentioned about other specialties. You know, there's this idea that we just sort of sit in the sit in the corner of the hospital, and yeah. no one really knows what we do. <laughs> How do you support other people to to understand fetal medicine and other specialties to know what we do?
0: I think we like to try and get out there and talk about it. So I I teach on the neonatal nurse practitioner course. Right. I we liaise very much with other health professionals who are involved with the families. And it's it's just getting out there and talking about it, isn't it? And trying mm. not to hide in that little silo that we all get sucked into <laughs> when life is really busy and the referrals are coming out of your ears <laughs> and you're trying to see people within a two or three day time window and you think where are we going to put all these people we haven't got enough appointments we haven't got enough staff but actually sometimes you need to stop and say yeah but it's really important that we share what we're doing with the managers or with our colleagues in the neonatal unit or Our midwifery colleagues who are dealing with normal pregnancies and healthy women and healthy babies. And you have to stop sometimes and say, we need to share what we do so that people can support us and we can support
1: them. Yeah, absolutely. I always ask people about research. And so what's been your role in research in fetal medicine? I myself haven't
0: done very much as a sort of lead investigator. I've, we've obviously had quite a lot of research projects that the department has taken part in yeah. and a willing supporter and <laughs> an enthusiastic recruiter to <laughs> a lot of the projects that go on. But I haven't actually sort of done much in the way of lead investigating or anything like that.
1: None of it works if people don't recruit the patients that's, for the studies. That's
0: <laughs> so that's mostly been my aim. Um, I'm also, for my sins, one of the people who is, at the moment, best placed to get all our data off. We we have a a relatively old viewpoint database that we use. And for some reason, I seem to be the only person in the department who knows how to do searches on it and find all the information that is helpful for people when they are looking at research or getting statistics or trying to trying to match up all the information that we've got available and, and make some sense out of it. So, I do quite a lot of that as well.
1: Also incredibly important. <laughs> I don't know why Viewpoint makes that so hard, or certainly did in the in the old Viewpoint edition. So hopefully when we get our new Viewpoint 6, which hopefully will be happening at some point, <laughs> when
0: the managers agree that we need to have such a thing, it will make life easier. And other
1: people will be able to do those searches as well, rather than just relying on me <laughs> to do that. Okay, so thinking about the patients, you've already said a lot about what you do with patients. But What do you think we can do to improve patient experience in fetal medicine? I would say, and again, this is just looking at my individual
0: situation in Southampton. We need better facilities, actually. Right. We're a department that's grown dramatically since we first started. And yeah. yet we still have very limited space to see mm-hmm. people in. And I think if what we want and would ideally like is a dedicated space where we've got several quiet rooms and counselling rooms so that we can actually talk to families in a in an appropriate setting, we end up sort of yeah. standing having conversations in corridors or a set of chairs just by the loo, because that's the only quiet space where we can actually give people that that space and that time that we need. It doesn't happen all the time. You know, we're very lucky we've got two counselling rooms and two scan rooms, but we often need more. And, yeah. and I think it's very unfair to be imparting really difficult news in a non-private, non-comfortable setting. Yeah. That would be my biggest beef, I would say, is that we just need more space. Yeah. And and some of that is because the demand on our service has grown, but resources within our hospital are very limited, you know, because everywhere is wanting more space. Everywhere is wanting <laughs> more accommodation. And we are just one of many people who are shouting,
1: and he who shouts loudest doesn't always get it. <laughs> I'm not sure that the fetal medicine voice is always very loud at a trust level though. No, I
0: think you're right. And mm-hmm. and some of that is because a lot of people find it a difficult, it's, it's a difficult discipline. Mm-hmm. It has connotations of, you know, termination pregnancy is not always comfortable for many people. Yeah. we don't want to be seen as that's what we're there for yeah we know that that's only part of of what we do but for some people that's that's the bit that they see and find difficult and so it's easier just to sort of push us to into a corner really
1: mm. yeah do you, it's always hard to ask people to, like, give cross-disciplinary feedback, but if you were asked to give tips to, for example, your suspect trainees or to your consultants, like 360-degree yeah. feedback, what are the things that you think are that are most important or that, that you pick up on?
0: Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Depends on who I was talking to <laughs> at the time. You know, yeah. for some consultants, I might say, please don't micromanage everything because that's not easy. For others, I would say it'd be really nice if you spent a bit more time and checked that everything was was yeah. fine at the end of the day. I would say just spend some time putting yourself in the shoes of the families that you're seeing yeah. and think if you were there, what would you want? How would you want to be treated? How would you want to be spoken to? What would you need? And I think if you start from that point, actually, you're going to get it right, you know, yeah. Not assume that everybody knows as much as you do. And be prepared to be generous with your time and your skills and your and be patient. Mm-hmm. And also bring chocolates for <laughs> the
1: midwives.
0: I would say gin, but we're not allowed to drink in the hospital. <laughs> very true it's very true I mean in joking aside I think if you have a good team that to some extent share elements of a social life share a biscuit or whatever and sit down together and have a laugh that makes such a difference I mean in any team it makes a difference but in a team where you're dealing with difficult things day in day out you need to know that you're all on the same wavelength
1: and you're all supportive of each other yeah for sure What's the equivalent tips or feedback that you would give to to midwives? Very similar. Really. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think midwives, I mean, because I'm a not midwife, but a nurse and have been in charge of a team. What I would say to to my colleagues is to share your concerns, mm-hmm. share how you're feeling if you're struggling with the the level of emotion that's being thrown at you every day by the women and their families. Share it. Don't take it home. Leave it behind you at the end of the day. There are very few things that can't be solved by getting a good night's sleep and coming back and facing it the next day. Not everything has to be done straight away. And also, you know, to seek support from everybody when you need it. Don't sort of expect that you can cope with things worst other people can't, mm. or expect that you have to cope with things because everybody else seems to be. Because everybody struggles with some of this
1: yeah. stuff. That's really really important, and I'm not sure that we talk about that enough. I've certainly met a lot of doctors who've talked about they're all fine at the time, and then there'll be some that you meet and say, yeah, I'm kind of a bit burnt out. Yeah. How do we avoid that? And. So that's where you each know, other. going out for a, a drink or
0: sitting around with a cup of coffee away from the work environment really makes mm-hmm. a difference, I think, because then you feel more able to talk to your colleagues and to say when you're struggling because yeah. we're never very good at that we assume that we can cope because that's what we spend our training learning how to do <laughs> but this is stuff that is so important and so emotionally draining that sometimes we just need to to allow ourselves to have a bit of time to not be okay with it yeah okay is
1: there anything else that you you wanted
0: to talk about or bring up no i, I don't think so i mean i've 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 loved my career i've yeah you know, you must do if you spend 27 (laughs) years or something, doing the same thing. I like being an expert. I love being able to rarely get phased by what comes in because I've seen it before. There are very few things I've not met in my career. And that's really nice to feel like you're an expert. But we are still learning, still learning every day. And to be infused and surprised by stuff that comes in is still is still a joy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can see why so many people suggested talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really lovely talking to you and, and hearing that different perspective on yes. fetal medicine, because it really is a sort of team game, isn't it? And, it,
0: yeah. it is. I, I just don't think you can do it in
1: isolation. I don't think you could,
0: as a medical doctor, give your all to to the families that you see without having support and I don't think us as midwives can do that without having the support of the medical team I think you know I work with a great team of people we're all there for each other and that was what makes going to work a joy as well yeah you know when everybody moans about all the lockdowns with COVID I felt quite smug really (laughs) because We had to go to work. We had a great team. I okay, had to wear a mask. But apart from that, you know, went to work. We had a social a social life, even if it was only in the office. And you get so much from your colleagues and from working in a
1: close team. It, it's, it's indescribable, really. That's so true. Well, Sally, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been an absolute delight. It's a pleasure, Jane. It's been really nice to meet you. It was fabulous to talk to Sally, sharing her experience and wisdom as a consultant nurse in midwife and fetal medicine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations in Fetal Medicine. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Please get in touch with any feedback or suggestions for future interviewees or topics by email to conversationsinfetalmed at gmail.com or on Twitter, X or Instagram at fetalmedcast. And if you can, please rate, follow, or even share the podcast with other people you think might enjoy it. By the way, this is the final episode of this season. We will definitely be back for another season soon.